So we continue to talk about Varim HaMdim Shel Olam, things that stand at the, at the top of the world, foundations of the world and of, of life, on Daf Yud Aleph Amud Aleph. And today is really part B of, of yesterday's year. Uh, and that's, uh, I've called it, the, the two worlds are in fact one. So yesterday we talked about living in two worlds, and today we're talking about the integration of those two worlds. Um, and uh, in Hebrew we've called it Kichol Bashamayim of Aretz, because everything is both in, in Shamayim and in Aretz, in the heaven and in earth. Um, and that's the title of the first three Shi'urei Dat of the Telzerov that we started learning a little bit yesterday, and we'll do a little bit more of of today. But we start with the Gemara, we're still on the Machloket Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi as to when the world was created. And they, and Daf Yudanov brings various psukim as to how they work out when, whether the world was created in Tishrei or in Nisan. We talked about the ramifications that there are these two worlds. The, the, the run in his Drashot speaks about the two worlds. There's a beautiful Malbim on Vayachula Shamayim Vahaz Vcholtzvaam where he talks about these two worlds and, and how they operate. And the Machloket, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and Rabbi Eliezer, as we learned it, was really, which is the dominant world? Where do we actually live and operate? In the Tishrei world, which is the world of nature? Or do we live and operate in the world of Nisan, which is the world of Hashkacha? Um, of course, they're both in, in existence and they're working in tandem. But where, where do we live? Where is our head? Where are we actually operating and living by? And that's the difference between a, a, a Talmud Chacham and an Amharit, so to say. An Amharit is a person of the land, a person who lives in nature. He lives by natural law. It doesn't mean he lives out in the forest and in the mountains. He, lives, he can live in, in Tel Aviv or Ranan or even Yerushalayim, but he lives in a natural world. That's where he is. He understands the natural world. Uh, a Talmud Chacham lives in a different world. And, and yes, he sees it, as, as Rabbi Yosheh Be'er writes so beautifully in Isha Al-Kha. Talmud Chacham looks at the sunset, and yes, he sees a beautiful sunset, but as he's watching the sun setting, through his mind goes all the sugyas in Shas that talk about sunset. What's happening in the upper worlds as the sun is setting? What is its meaning? What's really happening? What are its implications for mankind? And so it's a much bigger experience than just watching a beautiful sun setting. And so it is with everything. A Talmud Chacham lives in that bigger world, in that bigger universe. And the natural world is part of it, but only a small part of it. Um, and, and so he lives in, the Talmud Chacham lives in the world of Nisan. And that's why the Ran said yesterday, that we paskin like Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi, that, that our Rosh Hashanah really, the, the way we relate to the world is the Nisan way. So they learn it from various psukim. Among the psukim that Rabbi Leza learns from is And the Gemara works out When this, this posuk from Breshit, the land is giving forth fruit, when is the land giving both grass and the trees are full of fruit, new grass is sprouting, and at the same time there is fruit on the trees, that's Tishrei. So they go backwards and forwards and say, Vidach Nami activates pre. So what does Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi do with the posuk of Eitz pre? He's also got to explain that. How could Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi? And here there's an amazing piece of Gemara, the way Rashi learns it. Dom Rabbi Yeshua, The whole of Breshis, everything was created fully grown. The Da'atan Nivru. The way Tosfot learns it, let's learn Tosfot's way first that they were created fully grown. They were created with their full instinct developed. 
They were created in all their beauty. The world wasn't created as, as infants and little buds and, and little saplings. The world was created mature, which is how, if I remember correctly, it's, it's Rav Dessler who talks about the fact when you know, the scientists say that they found fossils from millions and billions of years ago, <coughs> the revolution accelerated those first years and he, and he accelerated the world's who knows, hundreds of millions of years, he accelerated into a few minutes so that the world could be created mature. And so if a scientist analyzed Adam Arishon, he would have said, this is a man who's lived for 20 years already, but he hasn't, he's only just been created. So you look at the world and you say, this is a world that's been around for 100 million years, but it wasn't, it was just created. Hashem accelerated that period and created a Bria that was mature, not a Bria that was infant. That's how, that's how Tosfut, and it was incredibly beautiful, and that's what V'chol Tzva'am means, Al-Tikrit Tzva'am, Ela Tzivyonam. It was grown in its fullness and its full beauty. The world was completely beautiful and complete at the, at the time of the Bria, is how Tosfut learns it. But Rashi learns it differently and says, L'da'atam, if you look at the Rashi that, that I've quoted, Sha'alam im chafetzim lehibarot. Hashem asked, the Bria, the trees and the flowers and the grass. Elan, come closer. Elan, come. Both of you, both of you, come closer. Yeah, yeah. Sit, sit around the table and learn. It's not, otherwise, you're like an audience and I'm like a performer. There's no, there's no joy in that. This way, you're sitting around the table, then we're all learning together. It's a different thing. Um, says Rashi, he asked them if they want to be created. He went to every tree and every dog and every cat and every lion and every elephant and every flower and every piece of grass. He said, hey, do you want to be created? And they said, yes. Who did he ask if they weren't created yet? <laughs> what is this? It just doesn't make any sense. How can you learn a Rashi like this and go to sleep at night? What does it mean? Either you've got to say Rashi's absurd, Rashi's lost his mind, or you've got to say, I don't understand what's going on. How is that possible? Says the... Um, Let's look this look in the, I just quote Orachaim because he says, Mikraze This posuk of we say it every Friday night at least three times. Right? Three, twice in Shul, once when we get home. We just say it, we say it, we say it. Orachaim says, What does it mean and why is it there? And we don't even think of the question. Orachaim is bothered by it and he goes into a whole essay as to what it means. Answers the Vilna Gon. Just as there is a whole universe of the world created in these six days, so was the whole universe of spirituality created in those six days. So when we say, it doesn't mean the sky and the land, it means shamayim, all of spirituality. And Aretz, all of physicality. That's what Bereshit means. And Vayachulu Hashem, Vayachulu Hashemayim Vaharetz V'chol Tzvayim, Hashemayim Vaharetz means on the Friday, Erev Shabbos, everything was created, was completed, the world above and the world below, and that's where you need to have your mind when you're saying Vayachulu on Friday night. Vayachulu Hashemayim Vaharetz V'chol Tzvayim. Everything was created. And Hashem clicked the automatic, the automated switch on Erev Shabbos and said, okay, I can pull back now. The algorithms can run the, can run the world, the universe. Both these universes can now run themselves. And that Shabbos, Hashem pulling back, 
and allowing the system to operate independently. That's what Shabbos is. What does that mean? It's not that there's a heaven and there's an earth. This is a, 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 a medrash I use so often, it's a medrash which actually we won't go into it now, but it's the basis of the consulting practice that I started 30 years ago. This medrash is the, is the basis of it. There was a story with Rabbi Shimon Chalafta. Rabbi Shimon Chalafta was very poor, and he lived um, up in, in a, a place called Ein Noter, I think it's called, which is a very beautiful little nature reserve today. Has anybody ever been to it? We don't, we don't even know our land. It's such a small country, and we don't even know it. Ein Noter is a very beautiful little nature reserve with an all-year-round spring and a little pool. You can walk in it and swim in it. And it Beautiful. It's on the Golan Heights, parallel to the Chula Reserve. So if you stand at the Chula and you look at the Golan, you'll see an Ein Noter, where Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon ben Khalafti used to hang out. In the Galil, I'm not very concerned with the, the Kvorim. You go downstairs to get to the spring? Yes, I think so. I think so. It's a, it's a, very, it's a small little reserve, but very beautiful. Uh, you've been there. Um, I'm not that interested in the quorum of the uh, of, of the Tanoim, where, the, where they died. I'm not interested in where they died. I'm interested in where they lived. And when I wander around these places, these, I see these people come to life. Rabbi Shimon Khalafta, that's where he was. And Rabbi Shimon Khalafta, this is the famous story of Shabbos. He had nothing to eat, and he went out and he davened, and it was given to a, be- a precious stone. He bought all sorts of beautiful things for Shabbos. And his wife says, where does this come? Where do you get this money from all of a sudden? How did you buy this? He says, oh, don't worry, somebody gave it to me. I found it. She says, I won't eat anything until you tell me where you got it from. He tells her the story. She davened, he davened, and the stone came down. She says, are you out of your mind? You've taken from your Olam Habo. This, this precious stone, comes. It's, it's yours. Hashem didn't give you something that wasn't yours. So you've taken from your world to come, and you're using that. We're going to eat it on Shabbos. Are you out of your mind? Uh, go and give it back. And uh, he goes to, his, to, to Rebbe, he was very close with, with the Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, he was a Talmud of Rabbi Meir, um, and he tells him, and, and, and Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi tells him, don't, uh, don't worry, nothing's coming off your, uh, off your table, and if anything is, come to me in Olam Abba and I'll give you from mine, no, you won't miss anything. And she argues with that and says, but haven't we learned that there's no, there's no relationship, you can't kind of trade with one another in Olam Abba, so your Rebbe doesn't know what he's talking about. This is Mrs. Ben Khalafta, Talking about Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. So he doesn't know what he's talking about. Go back and tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he does, and eventually he gives the money, he gives the stone back. And the Medrash says that was a bigger miracle even than the, the first miracle that a Malach came and took the stone and took it back again. This ability to transfer the material and spirit backwards and forwards, it's a little bit like, like energy and matter. In the old days, we thought these were two different things matter and energy comes Einstein and says they're one thing. You can convert matter into energy and energy into matter. It's one thing. That's the concept here, that spirituality and physicality are one thing. They're not two things. And that's why the, the th- first three shirim of the shiradat are kol ki kol And here I've quoted a bit of it. And he talks about the idea of ishtal shulut. Kol not only is everything that is here also upstairs, whatever is upstairs is also here downstairs. There's nothing in Shemaim that isn't in Aretz. Aretz is just a reflection of Shemaim. Everything that is here, and he goes on to say, when you have pleasure here, pleasure is spiritual. 
So you think you're having physical pleasure. There's no such thing as physical pleasure. Pleasure is by nature spiritual. And the more you can access the spirituality, the greater is the pleasure. So with pleasure, you're just accessing a little, little tiny touch of, of what's going on up, up there. So we need to understand that when we operate in this world, when we move an object or we trade with somebody or we're talking to somebody or we go for a walk in nature, whatever it is that we're doing, when we're operating here, we're operating in the big world as well. We're operating in the higher universe as well. The very first time I was taught the, the idea of Ishtalshulut was just after, as I was a young boy, I was taken into the control room of a railway station in the old days. And in the old days, it wasn't automated. It was totally manual. So they, there was a board about as big as the wall, as this wall, but, but even higher. And all the tracks were on the board of this whole station. And you watched the trains, little lights going on and off as the trains moved across the board. And there were people there turning switches to change the points. You see a train's coming along and it's got to turn right. So they turned the point, the train went that way, finished, turned it back, the signals this way and that way, and closed the booms and opened the booms. People busy actually directing the trains, turning these switches. And I thought to myself at the time, imagine if they thought that it's just a game, it's a toy train, and they're just playing the switches, compared to understanding that thousands and thousands of people's lives are in their hands. And every time they turn a little switch on the board, something big is happening out there. It's determining which track a train is on. That's what this world is in. This world is the switchboard, this massive board. Every time we turn a switch, big things are happening in the universe, beyond anything that we can understand. So since we can't understand and see it, Hashem tells us how to, how to operate the world, what to do with the world. But every time we do something, when we're in business, it's not just our business. When you're in your office, it's not just your office. When you're eating in a restaurant or you're walking, it's not just that. That's just the switchboard. Everything you do, every word you say, every action, every gesture, you're turning a switch that has an effect on the big railway junction upstairs and causes trains to go in all sorts of different effects and then comes back again and, and impacts the world. We pass energy up, the energy up changes all sorts of things up in, in Hashem's world and then that comes down and influences the world again. And that's why as, as the scientists are beginning to discover every little action of one person here can affect people thousands of miles away and they don't know yet how that works. Well, this is how it works because every action over here doesn't doesn't go straight. I do something here and it affects somebody in China. No, I do something here. It goes up to Shemayim. Shemayim recalibrates and that comes down to the whole world, including China. And so my action has affected the people there. That's what Yirat Shemayim means. Yirat Shemayim means being in awe of Shemayim, understanding that I'm living in Shemayim too, that my operations here, what I'm doing here is in Shemayim as well. That's what Yirat Shemayim means, to live with Yirat Shemayim to live with an understanding, to be able to see Yira also from the word of, of seeing, perceiving, being able to perceive that my actions here are not limited to here, but everything I do, every little switch I turn on my big board is having an impact on the railway station and the movement of the trains in, in, in Shemaim. That's what we really have to understand. And so when it says, when Rashi says, at that time there were only trains, there were no control boards. Hashem was controlling the trains. And Hashem asked, and now the, the world was only spiritual. Hashem asked the spiritual world, are you okay with going all the way down into the physical world? Are you okay with handing over your destiny to human beings who'll turn the switches? Is that okay with you? Or do you want to stay in the spiritual world and human beings can't touch you? And they said, yes, let's go for it. 
Let's create a physical world where human beings have the power to impact how we operate here in the spiritual world. That's what Rashi means. She'alamim chafetzim lihibarot. Hashem asked the spiritual forms of everything in the world, because everything we have in the world has a spiritual form, and they were there first. Do you, are you willing to extend yourselves into the physical world and give the power over to, the, to physical beings to affect and to operate? And they said, yes. So what a responsibility we have. And it's not to, it, the idea of this year is not to make it heavy on us and to think, oh, goodness, everything I'm doing. Yeah, there is that, but it's also the other way around to be able to feel that things matter, that things are important, that things make a difference. Everything I do, what I think, what I gesture, every single thing makes a difference. It has impact. It has impact in my life. It has impact in Shamayim. And from Shamayim, it comes back and impacts the entire universe, every little gesture and action that I do. That's what we understand in this, this, this Rashi of Shalamim Chafitzim Lihibarot for Amruhen.